is Ruth. And this is Mike. And today we're going to talk about four different topics. The first is the new versions of Company and Merrily We Roll Along, both by Stephen Sondheim. The next is combining our wisdom, if we can call it that, on Hong Kong and the protests that are going on there. Who's the last one, the next one? Uh, Marianne Williamson? Yes, Marianne Williamson. I don't know if she's currently a candidate. She was a candidate. I don't think she made the 2% threshold. She did not make the 2% for the third debate. And the last is you're going to talk about jury duty. Yep. Which you had. I did jury duty you, this past week. Which you... You yeah. did not get impaneled. No, I was in and out. But it was you had beautiful. The, yes, that is the best way to do jury duty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so company. I have just read. Oh, you're not plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> you're being recorded by the. Is it over there, right? <laughs> Oops. Oh, company. I just read that there is a new version of company that's being done with some gender changes in the cast. Right. And the big news for the big casting is Patti Lapone is going to play Joanne. Is it Joanne? Yeah, singing The Ladies Who Lunch. The changes in company, as far as the genders, um, Bobby is going to be, instead of B-O-B-B-Y, is going to be B-O-B-B-I. I-E? Uh, I. I, okay. Should we tell people what the gist of that story is, company? Or are we going to assume everybody, all, Oh, well, maybe we should. All our listeners Why don't are you, since Sondheim, you're the Sondheim uh, expert? Since I'm Sondheim obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> or Sondheim adjacent. Well, so company, for the uninitiated, is a musical with one main central character named Bobby who is single and the rest of the cast is comprised of his married friends so there's five couples or more do maybe. they all live in the same apartment building in no new york? they just all live in in new york oh okay yeah they live in new york so, so and you could say new york is one of the characters in the show too because they really do talk about the city a lot so and it becomes a story about his being around these people who have these committed relationships and he is avoiding that kind of emotional entanglement and in the course of the of the play, his friends kind of help him to break through his own fear Resistance, of yeah, yeah. being close to somebody. Was it the 80s or was it the late 70s? Early it, 70s, like 1970 maybe. Is when that it first right? Came, mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, mm -hmm. so I was going to say that Bobby had what would have been known, at least in the 80s, as a Peter Pan syndrome. But I think he even predated that. Yeah. I think that that was coined in the maybe late 70s or early 80s. 1970. That kind of blows my mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's other. such a great show. One of, like one of the musical motifs is based on what a busy signal sounds like. Well, now, like in the show I'm doing in North Hollywood, we have a character who's young and doesn't know anything. So she, at this point, she would say, "What's a busy signal?" But you, if you oh if you're a baby boomer, you remember <laughs> when we used to get busy signals when the line was busy. Then you go, eh, 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 eh. and so the start of the show is that is, eh, eh, and then. It, gets fleshed out with some instruments and it goes ba bum ba bum ba bum ba bum bobby bobby is that to indicate that he's having trouble communicating i well people have trouble getting oh, through to him well maybe so i i think that's very astute i never saw it that way i just huh. saw it as kind of a comment on um, the frenetic pace of the manhattan lifestyle and these yeah. people are busy all the time and yeah. doing things and in the song in that opening song they're asking him to come over join us for this, join us for that, let's right. go to the beach next week, let's do this. And they're trying to set him up all the time. But I just love how, how Sondheim took a busy signal and made it a musical nugget of, of the show. Yeah, I never recognized that. But what you said is that, yeah, 
the line is occupied. You can't get through. Maybe so. Maybe that is a comment on, on his character. You drive or, a person crazy. You, yeah. So the other changes are, uh, there's a song that I think is probably one of the ones that is most commonly done. We saw it with Eric from um, Will and Grace, Eric McCormick, oh. and Carol Burnett. Remember when they sang Today is for Amy? Oh, yeah. Or I'm Not Getting Married. Right. When we saw the Sondheim. Side by side by Sondheim. No, we no? saw it at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, that's birthday. right. The Sondheim tribute. Yes. Yeah. And she played Amy. Right. Oh, years ago. Years ago. Yes, for his ago. 75th birthday or something. Yes, his 75th birthday. Oh, exactly. right. God, I'd forgotten about that concert. Yeah. That was amazing. That was amazing. Everyone was in it. Angela, Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. In any case, that will be changed to a same-sex couple. So Amy will become Jamie in that. Jamie. Those are the changes that we know of so far. Yeah. And when I originally heard about it, I thought, oh, everybody's going to change. The men will become women. Women will become men. Right. They'll do it from there, which sounded fascinating. Although it would be almost impossible Could for a man to sing contrived. Ladies Who Lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But the woman having her biological clock ticking, she's 35. Bobby is 35 in the, oh, right. in the musical. Right. And right. I think that they give, don't they, doesn't he have a 35th birthday? Isn't that? It opens with his birthday oh, okay. party. Okay. And then it's like flashback to everything that led up to that birthday party. Okay. And that's his birthday party where if I'm remembering the plot correctly, that's when he has his epiphany and his more, you could say his breakdown, where he finally feels and gets, he allows himself to be vulnerable enough to actually want to be with someone someone Mm -hmm. and imperfect and inconvenient and painful and with, with all the things you can say against Yes. Being in a, a couple relationship, God knows we can there's say a myriad. <laughs> but uh, but he realizes, that, and they give him that advice during one of his songs. You know, it's it's much better living it than looking at it, Bobby. And they say things like that. Yeah, you're not a kid anymore, Bobby. I don't think you'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. And given that that was written by someone who George was Firth. Oh. and Stephen Sondheim, oh, yeah. who was very much a single person up until that right. time. Right. I mean, yeah, kind of phobic about relationships himself. Maybe. He may, he goes out of his way today to say it's not to him. say that he had nothing to do with Bobby. It's a character that he wrote for. But the he doesn't have to have anything to do with Bobby to have a lot to do with the ideas and the feelings that are at the center of it. Yeah, that's which right. Which is being in a relationship is a struggle. Right. And some of us may be up to the task, and some of us may not be. Let's go on, shall we? Okay. To Merrily We Roll Along. Oh, God, yeah. And Merrily We Roll Along was, I think, considered his one flop. It uh, played for, what, a week? Yeah. In, was it 1982? Do I have the date on that completely wrong? I don't know if that's exactly right, but it's certainly close because Sweeney Todd came before, I think, and that was around 1980. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Merrily was going to be this big smash. Everybody was so excited about it. uh, Such a great idea. Yeah. Will you give just the thumbnail sketch of it? Yeah, it follows the career and friendship of three main characters who start out as idealistic New York bohemians, more or less, wanting to break into publishing and theater and film and all of that. And it's a a woman named Mary and her two friends, Charlie and Franklin Shepard. And it shows how with their wonderful dreams of their youthful dreams of where they want to go, they progress and things don't go as planned in terms of there's unexpected hurdles along the way. Alcoholism, a breakup of a 
really close collaborative partnership and friendship and arguments, you know, about what is important in life. So it kind of shows the dissolution in a way of what started as a very pristine, beautiful dream to conquer the world huh. in, a, in, in a careerish sense. way. That's right. That's that's what it is about. You hit it. It's about the death of idealism oh. in these three. Ouch. And it is painful. And the conceit okay. of, of the play is that all the scenes unfold in reverse order. Right. So you see them starting as their relationship is the most frayed, and then it goes back scene by scene till they're young and on a rooftop looking at Sputnik and dreaming about the, oh. you know how wonderful the new world is going to be and all the great things they're going to do. It was confusing, though. That whole backward motion thing, I wonder if they, when they do this movie, I wonder if they're going to... Do that. We haven't talked about the movie yet, though. Oh, that's true. The movie is going to be filmed over 20 years by Richard Linkletter, who did Boyhood, which was filmed over 10 years, I think. Wow. And it's going to star Beatty Feldman, who was the really, really smart girl in Booksmart. Oh. She is Jonah Hill's sister. Oh, okay. I can't think of who the actor is. But they will go over time and uh, yeah. over 20 years. And hopefully you and right. I will live to be 85 so we can see it. Yes. Can't wait. <laughs> Something to live for. Can't wait. Yeah. That's going to be a hell of a thing to edit. So they'll do it each year. What they did in Boyhood right. was they had a sequence for each year. It wasn't okay. just at 10 years and then at 20 years. They right. went through the, right. the whole time span. Right, right. And I didn't love it. but Boyhood? It was, I didn't love Boyhood. Yeah. I really like Richard Linkletter. I've liked a lot of his films. He's kind of hard to peg because he does a lot of creative things. He's done rotoscoping animation. He's he's done a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. his pieces tend to be kind of lightish. They're not uh, Bergman-esque at all, right. but they are often slices of life. Okay. And his first, and maybe his most famous, is called Dazed and Confused, which is, I think, the night before graduation at a Texas high school. Oh, okay. And all of the shenanigans that get gotten up to. Okay. Then. And uh, I just think he's a wonderful... He did, he did... I mean, he plays with form and time. He did three movies, Before Sunrise, After Sunrise, and Before Sunset, which traces a relationship in real time. First when they meet, then when they're supposed to re-meet, and they actually don't re-meet each mm-hmm. other, but meet up at another time. Mm-hmm. And then later when they're married and their marriage is suffering. So that's been an interest of his. It's like a core thing of his movies. It seems to be. The thing about people in time. People in time. Okay. Yeah, which is, I think, a really worthwhile thing to yeah. examine. Yeah. And what a great way to do it, too. It's the kind of thing someone would do a dissertation on if they were in film school or you know studying film as a, as a critic or as a, as a scholar. Absolutely. But instead, he's working on it from the inside out. Yeah. He's, he's actually making the films about it. Yeah, and he's had this history in being able to do that and work mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I don't think he's ever done a musical before. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I hope uh, it's good. Because uh, I'm going to wait for it. What else are we talking what's about? What's on our list? Oh, Hong Kong. What's going on in Hong Kong? What's going on in Hong Kong is it just seems to be going from a peaceful protest. The original protest was several thousand people in the streets of Hong Kong. And what was the pro- what is being protested? Protest was against, they call it Beijing, it's, uh, Xi Jinping's desire, and Carrie Lam, who mm-hmm. is the mayor of Hong Kong. And a, she's democratically elected? No, she was Hong appointed Kong? by, she was appointed by Beijing, and she's oh, looked okay. at as a functionary of oh, Beijing. Oh, interesting, okay. 
Yes. And now I do, if I'm remembering right, the system that they set up when they when when the British let go of Hong Kong in what was it in the 90s? 1997. Okay. So there was supposed to be something called one country two systems. Yes. Right. That's right. Okay. And they were supposed to have a certain amount of autonomy until the year 2045. Okay. And so what happened was Hong Kong is supposed to have an autonomous system. Right. And they're not democratic, but they have something democratic adjacent. Okay. Even within that, I believe that the mayor has always been appointed by Beijing, okay. which is mainland China. And Carrie Lam, the mayor of Hong Kong, decreed that instead of having their own judicial system in Hong Kong, what was now going to happen is anyone who was arrested for any kind of felonious activity mm-hmm. would be tried in Beijing. Okay. And that system is a rabbit hole. Right. So that the fear was anyone who was, and they can be convicted of a crime right. or tried Anyone for a crime. found to be objectionable exactly. on, any, on any measure. Exactly. Could be shipped over to, to mainland okay. China and disappear. Okay. Right. As as many have. Right. So that protest originally was peaceful. Mm-hmm. Then I believe it was, these had been on Sundays. Then the next protest march was a week or two later and involved, I think it was 1.7 million people, which is one out of seven people in Hong Kong mm-hmm. was out on the streets. Mm-hmm with their children, with their grandparents. People were just out there peacefully protesting. After a certain number of these protests, the mayor said, all right, we will shelve the idea of anyone who has been arrested in Hong Kong going to Beijing to be... So the protests were successful at that point. They were somewhat successful, but the protesters didn't feel that it had gone far enough. They wanted it to be... More guarantee. Yes. They didn't want it to be shelved. They wanted it to be eliminated. I see. And it still has not been eliminated. Okay. So So it's just in limbo, more or less. And because that is still hanging out in the air. The protesters have now gone on to signal that they do not believe that they're being treated as autonomous. They want autonomy from Beijing and they are probably not going to get it. The protests have gotten more and more violent. Right. No one has been shot. I believe one person died when he was trying to adjust a sign and fell to his death. Right. But that was not the fault of any police. Right, right. Not violence. Um, but there have been tear gas canisters thrown into the crowds. The crowds have thrown bricks at the police. Right. There was one time when a group of what were considered Beijing sub-military protesters came out to protest the protesters. Mm-hmm. So the protesters are wearing white for the most part. Mm-hmm. These men came out in black t-shirts and had metal bats okay. and were beating the protesters. Oh my God. So the protesters have undergone a lot of physical, I mean, they've, they've been arrested, they've right. been beaten, right. they've undergone a lot of physical torment yeah. in the course of this. They shut down the Hong Kong airport a couple of times. Right, which I remember was seen reading as, about that. Yeah, that was seen as really, really disruptive and very very mm-hmm. much on the cusp of having the whole Chinese military come in and overtake them. Right. Which has not happened yet. But the fear is that it's just getting to the point now where there's so much antipathy between the riot police and the protesters. A lot of them were students. Now mm-hmm. the students have gone back to school, but they still have reconvened to do mm-hmm. these protests on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So it's not looking good for Hong Kong because Beijing has the might. Mm-hmm. They have 
the military. They have a government that is oppressive and probably will not hesitate if this goes on long enough right. to quelch them. Yeah. Now, my question is, this autonomy that the protesters want for Hong Kong, was that ever in the agreement that predated these protests? Yeah. I'm not sure Or is that exactly. a new thing? Because it'd be it's so ironic that if Beijing cracked down on these protests having to do with judicial setups, and by doing so, they pushed the Hong Kong people into wanting more than they might have asked yes, for that would be before. ironic. And I don't know what specifically autonomy meant mm-hmm. when, when the handover took place. Right. But what you said about one, one country, country, two, two systems. Two systems. Yeah. Certainly, they would like their own election. Certainly, they would like to elect their own mayor. Right. And what you said, something that Carrie Lam had talked about stepping I just down. saw a headline today that, yeah, I could be misremembering it, but I think she said something about she... Is it possible she could say she would like to... She would like not to have that position, but she has it or something. Something like that. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. I mean, she has to toe the Beijing line. Right. There's just no way for her to get around that. But she's a Hong Kong citizen or person or uh, was she flown down there from I the heart she, of Beijing? Or I, I don't she, know, but my sense is that she is not a local. Okay. That she was installed by Beijing from Beijing. Yeah. But I could, I could have that wrong as well. I'm no expert on Hong Kong. Right. But I've just read a little bit about it since these protests have been happening. And unlike the yellow vest protests that were happening in France. Oh, right. These have not petered out. Mm-hmm. And the yellow vest protests, I think there were some people who died, didn't they? Weren't there some actual protesters who lost their lives? I don't know. Okay. I, there I'll is a headline here that tens of thousands of students in Hong Kong boycott first day of school. That's happening right now as we speak. Oh, interesting. Um, and I just wanted to quickly thumb through and see if I can find this thing about Carrie Lam. Well, you're usually pretty accurate. Yeah. Well, Carrie Lam off into a different land. To her everlasting failure mm-hmm. is not someone who is going to go up against Beijing. She has no right. reason to. Well, she probably wants to live. It's yes. probably part of yes. this. Yes, and I know that they would not impeach, but they would take her out of there if they could, the Hong Kong protesters. It's true, it's true. I just found it online. Carrie Lam says she'd quit as Hong Kong leader if she could, according to a leaked tape. Also, it's not like an official statement she made, but I guess she was caught saying that. Uh oh. She'd quit if she could. Oh dear. So is she not well liked by the by the people, the students who are protesting? Is she oh, seen as a puppet of Beijing? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. She is seen as an impediment to their actual autonomy. Okay. So so much for Hong Kong. What That's next a, is on our list? <laughs> developing situation. Yeah. Marianne, Marianne Williamson? Williamson. Okay. Here here's what I know about Marianne. Spill Williamson. it, sister. I have to go back to the origins of the thing that made Marianne Williamson famous, more or less. And that was something called A Course in Miracles. Oh, yeah. Now, A Course in Miracles was a strange document that was dictated a woman named Helen Shuckman. She was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And she was hired as the research assistant oh, okay. for a gentleman named Bill Thetford. She was hired in 1958. By 1965, for whatever reason, their relationship became so contentious that they both dreaded having these weekly meetings. Okay. And Thetford said to Shuckman, there must be a better way than having us both hate having to come to this meeting every week. 
And what Shuckman said was that that in some way shook loose mm -hmm. this transformation into becoming the transcriber for the teachings of Jesus. Okay. Which became A Course in Restated Miracles. Restated as in The Course of Miracles. Yes. And The Course of Miracles is in three parts. It has a, it has a strange history, and, and I won't go into all the different parts of it, but uh, I mean the, all the different parts of the history, mm -hmm. but it's, it's in three parts. There's a textbook, a workbook, and a manual for teachers. Okay. Now, Marianne Williamson was the second or third person to teach about these teachings. Now, the miracle mm -hmm. in A Course of Miracles is the ability to transform from hate into love. Oh, okay. So that's why she made that statement in the first political debate. Yes. The primary debate. Yes. And I heard about her in the 80s. She was mm -hmm. famous. She was from Texas. Oh, yeah. And she taught huge seminars. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know what happened to her. I didn't know about her Oprah life, but you know more about what... I don't really know what happened to her. I don't have too much knowledge of the Oprah scene. But she must have written a book that was put on the yes. on the Oprah book list. And then so. she became one of Oprah's preferred guru types. Okay. Because she's... I'm assuming that's it. She's got other... Eckhart Tolle is another one that Oprah touted. Okay. And gosh, I don't know if she ever did Tony Robbins, but she always... She finds these people who are kind of into the self-transformation movement. Okay. Or industry, really, I would call it, because I'm a little more cynical about it. I'm not it. an Oprah completist, and... so I don't know. I, I didn't used to watch Oprah. I yeah. Mean, I've, I've followed her, but I didn't watch yeah. her daytime show. Well, what was that other book that she pushed? The one about... It was about the law of attraction. The Secret. The Secret. Right. That was a big thing. Yes. And I think Oprah's probably very sincere and really finds these teachings and these philosophies Clearly. Uh, very uplifting and, yes. and worth sharing with the public. Yeah. I have my own cynical side to people who profit on the spiritual development industry. One thing I love about the 12-step world is is forbidden to make it professional at any point. Or to profit from it, Ex well, ever, at uh, all. Yeah. And, but, you know, even that... It's a free country. It's a capitalist society. And if you want to hawk spiritual development and make a bundle at it, there's nothing really wrong with that. My beef with Marianne Williamson, and I bet she's a great person. That's why I feel, I, I told you I was a little reticent to even discuss this. I don't know her, so I can't cast aspersions. She's probably a delightful person and a sincere person. Yeah. I just find a disconnect between what she talks about when she's talking about Course in Miracles and love and transformation and positivity. And there's, don't you notice there's always an edge in her voice? She always sounds pissed off to me. Always. Huh. She's just kind of, she's just kind of pissed. And maybe it's righteous anger. Maybe she's righteously angry at a materialistic world that's not getting on board with a kind of thinking and feeling that could lead us to a better place. So mm -hmm. I can't judge her. It's just that that's the thing that has always, that's always been a sticking point for me. Okay. I really only saw her live during the debates. Mm -hmm. I had never seen her speak before. I'd only read about her. Right. I was much more into the self-transformation stuff, I think, maybe, maybe than you were. Yes. We, that's when we were, sure. we were, I was in New York and you were here. Yes. Um, but I sure went to, I didn't do too much on The Course of Miracles, but I went to a Louise Hay workshop on uh, Shane, You Can Heal Your Life. Yes. In her book. Yes, and yes. And as you know, I was raised in Christian science, so I'm always, even though I've kind of, I wouldn't say I've rejected Christian science, I've taken what I like from it. You're lapsed Christian science. Yes. Well, I think I've taken what's valuable from it and left what wasn't working for me. But I didn't leave it with bitterness, really. Although certain times I can get into that, <laughs> but not really. I think Christian science was about love and it's all good. And probably these other teachings are too. I imagine that they are. Yeah. I, I don't sense that there's a cynicism about them. Right. But I did get the impression that Marianne Williamson was out there and I've heard her speak 
since, mm-hmm. not during the debates, mm-hmm. and she is a little out there. Yeah, and for me, it's just the disconnect between the content of her words and the emotional and tone affect. that comes out okay. her affect. And even in that debate where she said, "We're gonna, we're gonna beat Trump with love," but it sounded like a war cry. Oh, and maybe that's okay. I don't know. Maybe honored Christian soldiers, right? Maybe <laughs> fighting a battle for the right cause is a worthy thing. But I feel there should be a congruence between your message and the way you seem to huh. be feeling. Huh. So I didn't see her as being loving, but I heard her talking about the need to be loving. Well, um, she's no longer going to be part of the debates. I know right, that. Right. Now, whether she's still a candidate is unknown yeah. as far as what I've read yeah. so far. And God bless her for doing that. She just certainly shook things up a bit with the debate performance. I thought certain of her observations about yes, racism that's in right. society were profound. That's right. And now see, then that makes me be more forgiving and less judgmental because her awareness of the way racism and white privilege are affecting us on a day-to-day basis in our daily lives on a deep level would make anyone angry. So I, I should just give her the right to be angry. I heard a great I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I'm hung up on her. <laughs> I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. You're just really angry at her. I'm letting it go. I heard a great word, caucasity. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a contraction between Caucasian and audacity. Oh, yeah. And it has to do with white privilege. Oh, wow. I just read it, and I thought that is a word to use again and again. Right. Yeah. Caucasity. So now you have jury duty. I performed my jury duty this past week. I got my summons. You're a good citizen. Yep. And I, I was lucky because when the summons came, it said my date to appear was August 26th, which was the week before Labor Day. And I really thought, well, it's the week before Labor Day, and I know enough to know that lawyers don't like to stick around, or judges for that matter, like to stick around in town when it's a holiday. They want to get out of town. Yeah. So I figured this is a good time to serve and not have to be on a trial because all the lawyers are going to say, skip it, let's wait Let's wait two weeks and come back. So actually that worked out for me. And I, I got August 26th, Monday, as my first day to appear. But you call in the day before and they tell you if you really have to come in or not. And on Monday, they said no. And on Tuesday, they said no. And I thought, I'm home free. I might get to Friday. They might call me in for the day, but they won't keep me. But on Wednesday, Wednesday, they said, yes, you have to come in. So I went in. Oh, God. And I was so tired. There was just things I had to do, work-related and other things I'm working on. So I was... It's up. hard to take a whole day I off. got like four hours sleep the night before my jury duty. Oh. It was... I was really exhausted. But I took the metro down there, and it really was kind of a fun little outing. And I know the drill there at the we have criminal courts. quite building. early, is my memory. I had to be there at 745, and I managed it, and I got onto the metro red line and got down there. So, yeah, so... They're calling names, you know, every half an hour or so, they'll call names to go participate in a panel and see if you have to be put on a trial, but they never called my name. And then lunchtime came and I knew from my last trip down there that the best thing about jury duty in downtown LA are the restaurant options. (laughs) It makes it almost worth it because they give you an hour and a half lunch or longer and there are these great things. So I, I Googled around and I found this Indian place and really the review I was reading was from 2013. So I wasn't even sure if it was still there, but I walked down Broadway and I turned left on 2nd Street and there's a little trendy Indian fusion restaurant and uh, it's called Bad Mash and I went in and you know I was so tired and I, it was hot but I went in but I was greeted with such warmth by the, the woman doing the seating uh-huh. it's a tiny little place so I sat there and the guy who brought me my menu was so nice this is your first time here here's what we serve here's what we do these are real spicy these are not so spicy and I don't know I just felt like I was making contact which is my whole theme of life these days Yeah, it, it takes us back 
back to company, not that we want to circle all the way back, but yeah. that's really what that show is about, was about yeah. the fear of, and yet at the same time, the need of contact. Yes. Isn't that interesting about human beings that we, at least I myself, crave contact, but also am a little bit terrified of it at the same time? Well, I think that the tension there is that we need love and we look for love. Mm-hmm. And we need that kind of... Contact, connection. Contact, yeah. Yeah, bonding. Um, yeah, uh, bonding, uh, mm-hmm. bonding. But the fact is, other people are unreliable. So right. depending on our experience, we may have had situations that were painful and make right. us reticent to reach out again. Right. Well, especially if we happened in childhood, we can confuse those painful feelings with love, and then we go out seeking the painful feelings in relationships, and that really causes oh, some deep. trouble. I know, but it's true. It's what <laughs> it we do. True. It is true. So that the pull of the, fami- is, of the familiar. Yes, and and we want to be in a loving relationship, right. but people are complicated. Yeah, and it's not always possible to find the kind of love that we need right. in other people. Right, and so we seek it again and again and again. And those of us who are fortunate, I think it's fortunate if you find someone who is compatible with your idea of mm-hmm. love, and that's how it manifests. Yeah, but if you're not so fortunate, or if you are seeking something that is as as a friend of mine said when I was in college and I've never forgotten it, her mother said to her, you know, Sasha, a lot of people confuse pain for love Mm -hmm. and love for pain. Mm -hmm. And even though I heard that in college, I certainly can say that I confused love for pain and pain for love at times in my life. Looking back. Yes. But when you're in it, it's hard to see it. Very hard. It's very hard because it feels familiar. Right. And so... Oh boy. Yeah. So I understand why connection is both compelling and right. yet it is frightening mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's the two things and that's the, that's one of the great things about being human i mean it's it's one of the difficult things about being human but it's kind of fun to be a complex organism that once needs a certain herd experience and yet is terrified of being part of the herd because of prior experience. herd experiences they've had and yes. maybe in their childhoods but i'm happy to report that the waiter of the restaurant and i are soon to be wed <laughs> <laughs> But they were very kind and nice to me. And it was really a highlight of my day. Oh, that sounds and, um, fantastic. I'm going to have to go. It, it was. I felt very much like a tourist. I felt like I was in a foreign city, uh-huh. even though I know downtown LA somewhat. And I, afterwards, I went into Grand Central Market and found a little ice cream shop and got a little ice cream. So my pitch for jury duty is go for the service, stay for the lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Take a good take it take twenty bucks with you and I take the metro senior citizen right on the metro thirty five cents yeah well this was peak so I oh. ended up pay seventy five oh, okay. but even that wasn't so bad I think I cheated so it was like more. a vacay it was a vacation day it was oh, really that's nice great. It was that really is nice. great well boomers oh. I think that's gonna do it for us for now. Thank you so much for coming on this ride with us. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye, boomers. Take care. Bye. 